0: i
1: we could go back to that part about what can wash away my sin nothing but the blood i want us to know that there is power in the blood of jesus today and i want us to sing that with all of our hearts and then when we get to this place where we can just say i can't thank you enough listen That's exactly the truth. We could not thank Him enough. I've thought in my life, I've been looking back over the last last few weeks, when you get old, that's what happens. You start uh, looking back at things. Let me tell you what. I don't know where I'd be. I don't know where I'd be without the love of Jesus. And I don't know where I'd be without the blood that has washed me, as white as snow. And I know that some of you have been standing a while, and if, if if some of you could just stand as we sing, What can wash away my sin? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. Let's sing this together and let's worship the Lord together. And Kayla, will you lead us in that or whoever leads it? Let's sing what can wash away my sin. Let's sing it. I can wash, wash sin. Father this morning we just want to pause Lord we sang this beautiful song about where would I be Lord I don't know where we'd be I don't know where I would be but I thank you for the blood of Jesus I thank you Lord for this Palm Sunday that as we begin to look toward the week of Holy Week and we look about and we see the cross We see the things that happen. We see all the things that you did for us. We are so grateful for your broken body. We are so grateful for the shed blood. For, Lord, it is transforming power. It is forgiving power. It is renewing power. It is the blood that gives us strength uh, through every day. And, Lord, it is the healing power that heals broken hearts uh, and heals broken bodies. Lord, we thank you today. That there is nothing else, not psychology, not classrooms, not counseling, not not understanding, not knowledge, not wealth, not anything else, can make us clean within. Nothing, nothing, nothing but the blood of Jesus. Oh, oh, how sweet the flow. Oh, oh. How precious is the blood of Jesus. Let's sing that discourse one more time. Oh, there's no other fountain. Let's sing just the chorus alone. Other fountain I know, nothing but the blood of Jesus. One more time found no
0: and fill out the connection card inside with your contact information, prayer requests, and praises. And then drop it in the offering as the ushers are going by later. Easter is next week. Be sure to bring friends and family as we celebrate our Savior's resurrection. We will be having a sunrise service at 7.30 a.m. followed by breakfast at 8.30. Our Sunday service will be at 10.30 and we will have a special Easter egg hunt for the children during the service. Thank you for supporting the ministries of Cap City Church. You can give online or by giving cash or check. Please see the back of your bulletin for more details. May God richly bless you and please welcome Pastor David with the message.
1: Thank you. There we go. It is good to be in the house of the Lord today. Amen. I tell you what, when we begin to sing about nothing but the blood, it begins to move my heart and move my soul, and I begin to understand that uh, there are a lot of people who don't sing that kind of song anymore. But I want you to know it's still the blood that makes us clean. It's still the blood that purchases our salvation. It's still the blood that makes us clean within and makes us acceptable to the Lord Jesus. Well, today is a very significant day in the life of our church. It really is. Last Sunday, and some of you did not hear Uh, As a church family, we selected the man who will serve as our permanent pastor, Pastor Jonathan Barker. Let's give God praise and give God glory. Amazing how God led us. And uh, let me just tell you why I'm happy this morning. I'm happy about this because of the overwhelming support from our church. I think most of you heard 133 ballots were cast, 122 were voted yes. Uh, That is a pretty overwhelming majority, and uh, we are glad that the church is united. If it had been 61 to 60, I'd have been a little concerned, Uh, but we are all together in this, and God is going to do something that's going to be wonderful, wonderful. And, And the other thing that has been amazing to me um, as I've talked with Pastor Jonathan, is his sense of call to our church. From the very first day that Pastor Phil Spriggs took the church at Washington Courthouse, Pastor Joe Duvall said something about Capital City and said, would you be interested in there? And he said from that day until last Sunday, he could not get capital city off his mind. Although there were other churches that had asked him to come and bigger churches and, and, uh, and fancier places to go. I think they sent him out to Oregon and trying to get him to Oregon and who knows where else. Uh, but capital city was on his heart and on his mind. And he just waited as the Lord opened the door. And so, uh, I'm just, I'm thrilled with that. I want you to know that. And then I'm so thrilled. For the exciting days that are ahead. Now, Lisa Woods is back there taking care of our online. But when I talked about this the week before, uh, before Jonathan came to preach, she came out and said, oh, David... When you started talking about that, glory just came all over me, said, I don't think we have a clue of what's going to happen good in this church. And I said, I want you to know, I believe exactly the same thing. God is going to be doing great, great things. So it is a significant day. There were people that after Pastor Phil left, they said, you'll never get a pastor. And, of course, I filled in, but that said, he doesn't count. <laughs> so, <laughs> that's what they said. They said, he doesn't count. You yeah, know, you'll never get a pastor. But God helped us and brought us to the place to where we needed to be and brought us together in unity. And so, I'm so thrilled. Well, today is also Palm Sunday. It is a day really like no other. And I don't have the scriptures on the screen, but I'm going to read a little bit about this day. A very, very special day. We've been taking this journey to Jerusalem. The journey began at the Jordan River. We talked about that. And then the journey went to the wilderness where Jesus was tested. Then the, the journey uh, went to the Sea of Galilee where he called his disciples to follow after him. And then the journey went to the temple courts where he found a woman who had been taken in the very act of adultery. But he was able to forgive her and set her free and said, neither do I condemn thee. Go and sin no more. I want you to know that's a be- those are beautiful words. And then we come today, obviously we have just skipped over a lot of the life of Jesus. If you want me to stay for about four years, I could preach through the Gospels, uh, but we don't have that kind of time because next week is Easter. And Palm Sunday was a day that began just like every other day. And in fact, the Bible says in Luke 19, if you want to find it in your scripture or just trust that I'm reading it correctly, not Luke 19, verse 28. After telling this story, Jesus went on toward Jerusalem, walking ahead of his disciples. As he came to the towns of Bethphage and Bethany on the Mount of Olives, he sent two disciples ahead. Go into that village over there, he told them. As you enter it, you will see a young donkey tied there that no one has ever ridden. Untie it and bring it here. If anyone asks, why are you untying that colt? And I want you to notice something here. We will come back to it uh, at least briefly here. Why are you untying that colt? Just say, the Lord needs it. I want you to think on that phrase for just a minute. That's not going to be the text verse. But here is the creator of all heaven and earth. The one who does not need anything from anyone. The one who created everything. In all of his ministry, as you read through the gospels, I cannot find a time when he said, I need something. But he needed this. So they went and found the coat, just as Jesus had said. And sure enough, as they were untying it, the owners asked them, Why are you untying that coat? And the disciples simply replied, The Lord needs it. So they brought the coat to Jesus. And then... This happened.
0: Rabbi, we have traveled many days to see you! Oh, bless you, Jesus, you have saved me! Welcome to our city! Oh, Jesus! on the deck here! He raised Nazareth from the dead!
1: Who is this Jesus of Nazareth? He's a prophet. A great prophet. A prophet? On a donkey? The day erupted in praise, the day erupted in worship, and the crowds began to exalt the Lord Jesus Christ. It was such a significant event in the life and in the ministry of the Lord Jesus Christ for a number of reasons. First of all, that it was the one day in his earthly ministry, the one day from his birth where he was in the stable at Bethlehem and all the way through his, his life in Nazareth and then all the way through his ministry, there was never a day when he was proclaimed and revealed as, and given his rightful place he was that day given his rightful place and was revealed and they begin to sing and they begin to shout blessings on the king it was the first time that they had ever called him the king and jesus Accepted it. Blessings on the king. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. They had never said that before. They said he was a prophet. They said he was a good man. They said they perceived that he was a great man. But never before had the multitudes cried out, He comes in the name of the Lord and peace in heaven and glory in heaven. It was the first time publicly that Jesus was identified with his ministry here on earth and from heaven. It was a significant ministry. It was a day that Jesus was revealed to all and to all the world that indeed he is the King of Kings. It was a day When the Roman authorities, and you saw it there, had to stand aside and watch what happened, they were not able to stop that procession. It was a day that the scribes and the Pharisees, although they hated him, they could not stop that procession. And as he came riding in on the donkey that day, it was the fulfillment of the prophet Nehemiah. Who said that your, your governor, your king, will come to you riding on a donkey? And here were these who were saying, a king, a prophet, riding on a donkey? You see, a donkey was the symbol of peace. Horse was the symbol of war. And Jesus came in writing in that moment, and he was writing. And it was a day when all of the people who were there began to remember the miracles, the turning of the water into wine, the feeding of the 5,000, the healing of the lepers, the healing of those who couldn't walk, the healing of the blind, the raising of the dead, all of the different things that happened. The Bible says that they were giving thanks for all the great miracles that they had witnessed and it was the only time and I want you really understand this the only time in the ministry of Jesus that he said he needed something now what did he need did he need just that ride into town no did he need just others to stand stand aside and not be able to stop it? No. Let me tell you what he needed. He needed the praise and worship of his people. I want you to hear this. He needed the praise and worship of his people. There was something about the crowds that were giving him praise and thanking him openly and praising him and worshiping him. There was something about the declaration that he was God. And I just want to say something this morning. Even though we're living some 2,000 years later, There is something in the heart of our God, and I'm not sure I grasp it. He needs the worship of his people. When you come in, and if you just decide I'm opting out of this one, I'm just going to sit here and hope this gets done. I hope you don't do that. Jesus needs the praise of, and the worship of his people. There is something about the praise and the worship of his people that delights the heart of God. And that's why David said, praise the Lord on the drums, and praise the Lord on the cymbals, and praise the Lord on the lyre, and praise the Lord with every instrument, and praise the Lord with a new song, and praise the Lord with all these things, because there was something in the heart of God that responds not to just our praise, but to your praise. And so we need to understand that. There's a verse, if you go a little further into this story, though, that has become literally a a deeply burdening text to me. And in verse 41 of Luke chapter 19, he was coming into the city of Jerusalem and some of the Pharisees among the crowd said, teacher, rebuke your followers for saying things like that. He replied, if they kept quiet, the stones along the road would burst into cheers. But then this is the verse that has been on my heart for a number of years at least since 2014. And I think it has significance for us today in a day that we have called this day Community Outreach Day. Here's what it said. But as he came closer to Jerusalem, he saw the city ahead and began to weep. The word there for weeping was not just a tear. If you go into the original Greek of that word, that word meant that he was sobbing violently. As others were worshiping and praising, and as long as he was coming up the Mount of Olives, it was okay. But when he reached the crest of the Mount of Olives and could look down that pathway, and he saw the city of Jerusalem, the Bible says he began to weep. He began to sob, as it were. And he went on to say, Oh, Jerusalem, Jerusalem if you had only known the day of your opportunity, if you would have only known and been respectful, if you'd have only known and obeyed God, what would have happened in your life? But now you are left to yourselves. And the armies are going to come, talking about the Roman army. The armies are going to come, and they're going to invade your city. They're going to tear down the temple until there will not be one stone left on another. And he sobbed and he wept as he looked at the city. I began to think about a term. Some of you have heard me use it. Most of you just like I was, you think, well, I I think that's a nice thing, but I, I don't know what it means. In 2014, I was in a John Maxwell seminar in Palm Beach, Florida. And they had a break, and we had some friends with us. And they had this, we had to find one workshop to go to, and I didn't know exactly which one to go to. And so our friends looked at this, and there was a guy I never heard of, his name was Alan Platt, and said that he was having a seminar on community transformation. And I looked at Connie and Jim and Julie Dempsey who were with us, and I said, I don't know what this means, but it sounds good. Let's go over and listen to this. So I listened to him as he talked a little bit about he was a pastor in South Africa and had a church of about 30,000. I thought, wow, that's amazing. And he said, but God began to speak to him not only about his church, began to speak to him about his community and began to say, and God began to challenge his heart, I know you have enough faith for your church, but do you have enough faith for your community? Do you have enough faith to reach out and to touch your community for Christ? I left that session that day, and I thought in my mind, that's a nice little term. I like that term, community transformation. I'm going to use that. The next year, 2015, I resigned Uh, the church, or supposedly retired uh, from the church at Brookside after 25 years. And I went to Ohio Christian University. And I was really hoping and praying that our university would be uh, the lead voice in this. I think they could have had a voice all over uh, the area, but they decided they didn't want to go that way. And I began to talk about community transformation and I began to get a few people together, and we'd, we'd sit down, and we'd get a whiteboard, and we say, community transformation, what's that mean? And so we'd put up things that, that, you know, just normal things we'd think about and talk about. We'd talk about community transformation and put down different things, and finally the group began to uh, 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 to expand a little bit, and it was interesting, Judy Croom uh, was uh, on that group, and I just got acquainted with her, and I said, Judy, you need to come and, and help. Us in this whole idea of community transformation because I'm not really sure I really got it. I I, I need to figure out what we're doing. Long story short, we went through a whole bunch of meetings and talking and meetings and talking and have you ever noticed the church does more meetings and working, and uh, we talk more than we meet, <laughs> and we, we talk about doing things more than we do things, you know that? Well, I was the king of that, so I, I'm not throwing stones at anybody else. We just kept having all these meetings, all these meetings, until my friend Lonnie Potts, he was on the committee. The you had grown a little bit, Judy? I think you were there that day. And Lonnie, after we talked for a while, he looked over at me and said, David, we've been having meetings on this for quite a while. He said, I just want to ask a simple question. I said, okay. How do you he said, how do you define community transformation? Well, if you know me, I try to talk my way out of everything. And uh, I gave him a bunch of words, but he looked at me and I looked at him. He knew and I knew I had no idea what I was talking about. And then he said, David, how do we know if community transformation works? How how are we going to get churches involved? Again, my gift of gab sometimes gets me in terrible trouble, and uh, sometimes it gets me out of things. Most of the time it just gets me where I am, nowhere. And uh, so I gave him this big answer. He didn't ask another question, but he knew I knew everyone around the table knew. I didn't have a clue. I went out of that meeting and I thought, I've got to find this Alan Platt guy. I've got to find out what this is about. I've got to find out what this means. I've got to find out what it means to look at the city and to see the city. And so My friends, Jim and Julie Dempsey, had his cell phone, so they gave me the cell phone, and I called him. Remarkable. He answered the phone. This guy goes all over the world. I said, Alan, Mr. Platt, you don't know me, but I said, my name is David Dean, and my claim to fame is I know John Maxwell. He laughed and said, well, I don't know about guys who know Maxwell, but he said, if you're a friend of Maxwell's, you're a friend of mine. What can I help you with? I said, you taught this thing about community transformation. And it kind of got on my heart. But they're asking me how to define it. I said, how do I define community transformation? He was very quiet for a minute. He said, I don't think any of us have a TED talk or an elevator talk on what this means. But he said, you know, I've written a book. And I said, no, I didn't know that. It's called City Changers. He said, I'd like to send it to you. I said, I'd like to read it. We talked on a little longer and and he sent me the book and as fate would have it and God would have it, how we got this man that went all over the world, I have no idea. But my friend in Chillicothe, Paul Ray, called him too and said, could you come to Chillicothe? And he said, well, when do you want me to come? And Paul Ray gave him the number of of the date that we were thinking. And he laughed and said, you won't believe this. It's the only day that I have in, in, in this calendar year. And I'm going to be in Cincinnati the next day. I can come and talk to you. So he began to talk to us about this thing called community transformation. You say, David, what are you talking about? What? Why are you talking to us today as a church on Palm Sunday about community transformation? The first reason is because Jesus saw the city and wept over it. That is where it all begins. And so when I begin to think about this community transformation, and we have some here now that... Uh, that God has laid that on their heart. We have some, some new folks that have been coming. And I began to think, what would happen if the entire body of Christ would come together? to serve the community. What would happen if the entire body of Christ began to work together and lay aside our petty differences and say we are the church of Columbus and we are going to try to meet the needs and try to speak up in the land where there is so much need and heartache and problem, where there is so much darkness in our city? I thought what would begin to happen if the whole body of Christ began to feel that need. I want you to know, I went to a meeting in Circleville, Ohio. I have to watch my time. I know my my stories take a long time. Eric Heron asked me this morning, he said, you only gave me three or four points for the sermon. Is the sermon shorter than normal? I said, not on your life. It's probably going to be longer than normal. (laughs) When I tell stories, you never get done. The governor was having a meeting in Circleville, Ohio. It was called Intercept. And it was a meeting of social workers. The sheriff's department was there. Job and family services was there. Uh, The police department was there. Attorneys were there. Uh, Different ones from different social agencies were there. And I was at the college and I walked in. Now, I'm not saying I was the only Christian there. But I was the only one representing a faith-based organization there. And I walked in and sat down, and so they were talking about the horrible drug problem in America and talking about the terrible drug problem in Circleville and Columbus and Chillicothe and talking about all the things and how they were hoping that someone could help uh, to reach out and trying to find some kind of solution. So they broke us up after that conversation in in groups of four. I had the governor's representative who were, was there. I had a sheriff, his name was Gabe, who was over the drug trafficking area. And I had the lady from Jobs and Family Services and me. And so we sat there talking about, okay, what are we gonna do about all this drug stuff? And I was just sort of taking notes, you know, and okay, yeah. And the police officer looked over at me and he pointed at me and he said, you know, you're the answer. I said, yeah, how's that work? (laughs) You are the answer. I said, what do you mean? He said, here's what I mean. That I know that when people that are in drugs get involved in the church, that the great majority of them never come back and they never get back involved again and they never go back off the tracks. They may stumble and fall, but I don't have to arrest them over and over and over. I said, well, yeah, that's right. That's exactly right. This was not a preacher. This is the policeman. And I said to him, well, that's really nice. What church do you go to? He said, I don't go to any church. I just know it's true. And I said, that, that's amazing. So we went on talking, and they were talking about volunteers to help out. They they were hoping somebody'd go into the jail and and talk to people and, and try to help first-time offenders and, and help those to get out of this kind of thing. And and so we talked on a little bit, that, and the policeman again looked over. He said, "You know, you're the answer." I said, "Man, I'm the answer to it all, aren't I?" He said, "You are the answer." And I said, "What do you mean?" He said, you sit in a church every Sunday and there are hundreds of people who come to hear you preach and in churches and cities all over this city and they all want to make a difference, but they don't know how to make a difference. Just think what would happen if we could get your church people somehow fired up, moved up, motivated to reach out and to reach to our city. What could happen? As it happened, the university didn't quite go that way. But that burden has never left me. It's the reason why when Pastor Phil said, would you come up and help us a little bit? I have a burden for Columbus. I said, I will. I'll be here. I want to help. I want to see this church become a leading voice in community transformation in the south end of Columbus and bringing people all over uh, to come together, to work together, to labor together, to address the issues together. He said, that's my heart. When I talk to Jonathan and those on the search committee will know this is true. One of the things, one of the questions that was asked, the question was asked, Do you have a heart for Columbus? He responded almost with tears and said, if you want to reach Columbus, I'm your man. But if you don't want to reach Columbus, if you just want to sit here and sit and just be comfortable all the time, I don't want to come. I spoke up and I said, we want to reach Columbus. We want to do it. We want to be a part. We want to reach. We want to see community transformation take place. when we talk about community transformation, you say, well, how do you define it? Just like this. It's the change that takes place in a community when faith-based leaders work together with community leaders to make a positive difference in their community. I wanna go back to my sheriff friend for just a minute. I, after he told me about all that volunteer thing, and I said, yeah, I think that's right. And I, I, so I was pondering, I said, what would happen in the sheriff's department if all of a sudden a number of people came in from the church and just simply said, we're here to help, whatever you need, we're the church. You guys are putting your life on the line every day. What can we do to help? He looked over and said, We'd all faint. And I believe that's true. What would happen if we walked in to a school just down the road? My directions are all messed up, but somewhere down here. So we've just come to help. We're not here to take over. We're not trying to get voted on the board. We just want you to know, is there a way we can help you? Maybe we can tutor a child. Maybe we can pray for you. Maybe we can just help. School people said, if that happened, we'd all faint. Because, you see, the church has a bad rap. The church is all just about meeting here. And I just want to tell you, in the next few years, unless churches begin to hear God's call and hear God's voice to get out beyond these four walls and to become the church of Jesus Christ, we're all going to become irrelevant. And God does not want us to become irrelevant. You see... Community transformation happens when people we have a change of mindset from concern to compassion. You say, well, what's the difference? If you remember the story of the loaves and fish, you remember the disciples came up and Jesus was preaching like I am and uh, like sending up Hank or sending up one of the guys here and said, uh, Pastor, Pastor. Uh, These people are hungry. Send them away. You Remember that? They were all hungry. That was a concern. They're hungry, but it's none of my concerns. Send them away. Jesus had compassion. He turned to them and said, you feed them. Whoa, now that's a big difference. When we ride by the neighborhoods and say, man, somebody ought to do something that's concern. When we ride by the neighborhoods, and I want to thank our our people from Hope on High and others that are doing that kind of thing, going down to feed the homeless and going down and they can't drive by there. They said, it's not just a concern. This is a compassion. I've got to do something. I look over in these neighborhoods over here. Came the back way this morning down Parsons Avenue and All those new houses that are going up. The concern is man, look at all those houses. Compassion says, I got to do something. I've got to do something. I've got to do something. Even if it's wrong, I've got to do something. I can't just sit here. I can't just sit and watch. I can't just sit here and let everything go by me. Somehow, I've got to get up. Somehow, I've got to find a cupcake and conversation. Or somehow, I've got to meet my neighbors. Somehow, I've got to do something. I can't just sit here. That's concern. But compassion says it's my responsibility until we feel that we'll never be moved understand it means community transformation means we move from isolation churches are notorious for another thing i'm not just talking about us i'm talking about all churches oh there's a need in in the community for food let's start a food pantry and so every church has a food pantry In Circleville, we sat down one time, we were talking about that and said, um, okay, we've got this need and hunger, uh, let's put on a map and lay it down. And where are all the food pantries? Would you believe all the food pantries are within a half a mile of each other? Only the church can do that. I just want you to know, only the church. And God is saying, hey, why don't you work together and have a big food pantry? And why don't you work together that maybe you can start another food pantry over here or start another food pantry over here. We don't have to all just do it ourselves. And so community transformation means moving from isolation to cooperation. And that's hard. It means from moving from activities, just let's have a big activity. Okay, that's good. Wasn't that fun? To outcomes. We want to help you make a difference in your life. It means being withdrawn to becoming part of the presence of Christ in our community. You can be glad that there are only three more slides left, so uh, I didn't realize I was going to go quite this long on this, but I was in Los Angeles, California and we were in a large church growth conference out there and our denominational fellowship is pretty small as most of you know comparatively and there was a guy there whose name was Ken Sullivan and he was at that time the the head of the evangelism department for the Church of the Nazarene and of course if you're not familiar with them they have thousands and thousands of churches where we have hundreds and so there was a break, and I went over, I was district superintendent at the time, and I sat down with Ken Sullivan, and I said, Ken, your, your denomination's so big, and our denomination is so small. He, I said, you think we could ever work together? He laughed, and he said, sure, though we have yet to do all that, and I think Jonathan will help us to do that, just by the way, just putting that in there. But He said, David, big and large is all a matter of perspective. I said, well, what do you mean? He said, well, let me put it this way. If we took all the Nazarenes and the Westlands and the Free Methodists and Salvation Army and all of those who are kind of in our our way of thinking, and we put them all together, we're still just a spiny little speck in the community. He said, in fact, now this is what the evangelism director for the Church of the Nazarene said. If I am preaching to Nazarene people, it's okay, and I know we have Nazarenes over here. Uh, Cheryl Scunza used to be a Nazarene. Here's what he told me. He said, it's all a matter of perspective. Do you know there are more Baptists in Texas than there are Nazarenes in the world? did not know that. He said, we've got to come together. We've got to work together. We saw this. Now, let me hurry and finish this. As Jesus came closer to Jerusalem, and you'll see the slide, he saw the city. That has so gripped my heart. He saw the city. He saw the crowds. He saw those who despised him, but he didn't call down fire from heaven on him. He saw those who were just drawn to him by curiosity. Everybody else is going, so uh, let me go along with the crowd. He saw those who, were, who had been delivered by him, and, and they'd been healed, and they were giving thanks. And then he saw the smaller crowd, those that were the fully devoted followers of Christ. Who, incidentally, within a week, would all abandon him and flee, except one group. You never hear about this. Do you know the one group that stood by him at the cross? you know the one group that gathered at the foot of the cross? It was the women. Women, God bless you. I don't know what the church would do with that. Yeah. Men, let's give them a hand. I mean that in all honesty. I don't know what the church of Jesus Christ would be without women that have carried the work of ministry. He not only saw the city, but he also saw, or the crowds, but he saw the city. He saw the people. He saw the needs. He saw the kids that were going to bed hungry at night. He saw the tears that were flaming down because of abuse and all sorts of things. He saw the heartbroken, those whose hearts had been broken and ripped apart from grief and other things. He saw those who were enslaved that could not break free. He saw those who were hopeless that had lost all hope in life. He saw those who were broken, and he heard. Heard the cries, the soft, tender cries in the night. And it broke his heart. Can I just tell you that Jerusalem is symbolic of our city? We could weep for our neighbors who know not the Lord Jesus in their lives, for the overwhelming loneliness that fills the lives of so many. If we were really aware of the heartbreak in this city, we would weep until our hearts would break. God, show us. God, show us. But then notice a little further, Jesus not only saw the city, but Jesus wept over the city. He wept over what might have been. If they had just given him his rightful place, what might have been? I just want to hurry to say this. I think that there that Jesus weeps over people's lives today. If you would have just listened. If you would have just been obedient, but you decided to go your own way. In our Wednesday night Bible study, we were talking about an invitation to come to Christ, and Janie Dabney said, I asked what that invitation was about, and she said it was the invitation to an adventure of a lifetime. And I said, Jeannie, that is so true. Let me tell you, when he's calling you, it's not to put you out of business. It's not to take the joy out of your life. It's not to do all that. He is to bring you life. And when one day we stand before God, and God brings up what we could have been had we listened to him, we're going to say, you mean I could have had that? He wept over what could have been. He also wept over what was. The grief. The sickness. The sadness. And I tell you what. I was talking just the other day with Chris Dodds. And we were talking about this nation. I want to tell you what. There's a part of me. I just want to weep over what is. When we don't know what a woman is when we're trying to teach little children about things that they shouldn't even be thinking about and don't think about. And when we're trying to do stuff, I read just the other day that one state has passed an abortion law. I want you to think of this. An abortion law that you can get an abortion at any time, including after the baby is born. And after the baby is born, the mother has the law by right to walk away and let the baby starve to death. I just read that. It's barbaric. That's going on in our city. It's going on in our country. And Jesus wept for what was. But he also wept for what was to come. He knew the rejection that was coming of their city and they would be destroyed. And I hurry to a close. As Jesus came closer to Jerusalem, he not only saw the city, he not only wept over the city, but he went to the city. He could have turned around. He knew the pain he would suffer, but he went anyway. He knew the price he was going to pay, the physical pain. He knew the sin of the world was going to lay on him. He knew he was going to die a death of unimaginable grief and agony. But he went anyway. He went knowing what he was going to face. Some of us say, well... My favorite show's on this time. I can't go out there, or it might rain tomorrow, so I I can't go out there and help. God, help us. And I'm not just preaching to you, I'm preaching to me. If I've got one going this way, I got four going this way, and I'm I'm as guilty as every one of you. I'm not trying to to scald you. I'm just saying, God, do something in our lives. As we close this morning, and I have to tell you, I I struggled over this message a while and trying to figure out just exactly what God wanted me to say. But I want you to remember this if you don't remember anything else that I tell you on Palm Sunday. I believe that God is calling our church to make a commitment to community transformation, to reach out in our streets, in our neighborhoods, in our businesses, to those we know and to those we don't know. I'm afraid I'll make a mistake. Where are you going to send them to, hell number two? No. blessed by the grace of God, say this church is going to be on board whatever it takes. We want to be on board in helping touch this city for Christ. It was easier in Chillicothe because it was a small town and you could get people together and some asked, how's it going in Columbus? I said, Columbus is a whole different animal. But there are enough churches we don't have a resource problem in this city to reach our city we have a connection problem if we would just all connect with each other we could make a difference in our city so i'm calling you to sit to come to the point i'm calling us to set aside our petty differences and to turn our eyes on a savior and get involved in the great work of reaching our city for christ And then i'm going to just ask you very quickly as we close it out thank you for being patient with me today what crowd what crowd are you in today are you part of the crowd that you come here but down in your heart you really despise the lord and I wish I wasn't here wish I'd be anywhere but here but I've got to be here for whatever reason and I've never trusted I never believe I never trust Jesus comes to where you are this morning if you're watching me online and you have despised the gospel and you have despised the story of Easter he reaches out to you in love this morning and says come home Are you part of the crowd that's just drawn to him because everybody else does? Well, everybody kind of goes to church around Easter. I guess I might as well. Let me tell you what, that's not bad. But he wants to have a personal relationship with you. Are you drawn to him because this morning he's done something wonderful in your life, and if he has, you ought to stay stand up and we ought to praise God and give God thanks and give him glory because he's done something wonderful in our lives or are you part of that crowd that could be called the fully devoted followers of Christ regardless of what anyone else does I'm going to follow him. Now, I'm going to throw the the band a curve, and so they're all freaking out right now. (laughs) Can you go to the second verse of Hosanna? I see a new generation rising up to take their place. I know, Laura, you're leading that part. Can you get there? If the words are there, that's right, the words will be there, I promise I ever could have it know that. <laughs> And I want you just to listen. when we sang Hosanna, Hosanna, this second verse has always caught my heart and got my mind. I see a new generation rising up to take their place. I see them all around us. I see a near revival. I believe that God wants to do something so amazing in our church, so amazing in our city, so amazing in our lives. I am so grateful for our Elderly folks who fill these pews, we couldn't do it without you. I'm grateful for all of us elderly people that fill these pews. I'm, I, I'm grateful for all the middle-aged people who fill the pews. I'm grateful for every young person here that is here. And I think if can we find the words back there, we better. Oh, they got. Go ahead and put them up there, and we'll put them up in just a minute. Yeah, right there. I said, yeah. Hold on, just just a minute. Don't don't start yet. And. Uh, are you going to be a part of that generation? Well, I'm not, young. I'm not young. It doesn't matter. Are you going to be a part of the generation that rises up and says, Hosanna, Hosanna, I see a near revival. I see God doing something. I see God doing something that I've never witnessed before. God is going to do something so awesome that only He can get the glory out of it. Now, would you stand with us? And if you know this, you can sing it. If you don't, listen to Laura. She sings it so beautifully. I see a new generation rising up to take its place. Father, we come before you this morning at the conclusion of this worship team and time. Bring before us that scene of Jesus as he saw the city of Jerusalem and wept over the city until it would break his heart. Lord, would you begin to put something deep in our hearts, that, Lord, we want to reach our city. We want to reach out to our neighborhoods, uh, our streets, uh, and all of the areas, Lord, where we are. I pray that something will be birthed in us today that we'll never get over. Lord, as we think of Palm Sunday, we'll never think of it the same. But we'll think of it as the day that Jesus saw the city and he wept over the city. But he went to the city despite the things that were waiting for him there, that he took courage and went. And God, give us the courage, I pray, to do your work. In Jesus' name. With every head bowed, every eye closed. Anyone just want to raise your hand and say, Pastor. Pray for me that God will use me in somehow, and whatever it is. I don't even know what it is, but pray that God will use me. God bless you. 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 I want God to use me. God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. All over this place. Anyone here saying today, Pastor, pray for me that spiritually I'm afraid. I'm just not where I need to be. I, if I died today, I'm not really not sure I'd go to heaven. Pray for me. Would you put your hand up? If I died today, I'm really not sure I'd go to heaven. God bless you, God bless you, God bless you, God bless all over this place. Oh, Father, as we bow before you today, I pray for those that raise their hands to say they want to be involved in, in some kind of ministry and reaching out. Help us to know how to do that. And Lord, for those who don't really know and they don't really understand, what it means to truly trust you. And if they died today, they don't have that assurance. Help them to know it's as simple as ABC. Admit and believe and confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. We love you and we praise you in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, amen. Let's give him praise as we're seated. You may be seated, and those of you that are online, thank you so much for joining us during this special Palm Sunday week. May God bless you. Ushers, I'd like if you would take your place. And as the ushers are taking their place, we thank you for how you've been supporting the ministries of Cap City. And Brother Maxwell, my dear mentor from many, many years ago, Used to have this little saying, if all the people paid all the tithes, all the time, all the needs would be met. And if you'd like to be a part of that, we'd love to have you help us. So, Father, thank you for this offering. In Jesus' name, amen. They'll play and sing as we, as they take the offering. After you've given your offering, if you want to stand and sing, we're going to sing Rise Up Lazarus again. I have to make one announcement when we when down. we're finished, yep. Okay.
0: Thank you for being here today.